Hello, everybody online. We're so grateful that you're here with us uh, to sing and to pray, to worship, and to hear the message today. And uh, we're grateful that you have joined those of us that are here in the room. Good morning, everybody in the room, people. Hello, hello. You guys with me? Are you awake? We feeling okay? Good. We're so grateful uh, that you're here with us. This is going to be part three of uh, Imagine the Kingdom. And uh, so we're grateful to have Pastor Claire here to wrap us up with that. You know, one of the things I love about Brené Brown's story um, is that as an academic going back to church and rediscovering her faith, um, she made her faith her own and not something that was actually handed to her through um, someone else's experience with God. And, and so, you know, when we think about living a life that you can only imagine with God, and we've been talking about imagine the kingdom of God, Uh, If you were, you know, if you've been watching Downton Abbey, you have a particular idea around kingdoms, right? If you have, um, you know, if you have this wonderful gift of, of understanding history and you have an idea about kingdoms, but there is a kingdom, even as we sang this morning, coming here today that is this unshakable kingdom of God's own rule and reign in our hearts. As we hear God's own voice speaking to us. So I want you to imagine the kingdom with me. Scott defined it as uh, the range of God's effective will, quoting Dallas Willard. And then your kingdom is the range of your effective will. And how many of you have lost some effect this week? Although, you know, we've had great things happen too, right? We've had amazing things happen, but we've had some things we wish we would have had an epidural for. And the reality is, friends, is that the range of our effective will is limited. Amen? And yet God, um, one of the reasons I love the Hallelujah Chorus, you know, is this, this, um, he shall reign forever and ever. And I would start singing it right now, but I I won't. I'll I'll spare you. But just know it's, it's singing in me right now, right? That there is this, the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign. And I think the kingdom of Claire has regularly got to let go and welcome the kingdom of God. Amen? You guys know that in your own lives, don't you? Imagine the kingdom in you where if you let go of your limited effective will and you opened up to what is the unshakable kingdom of God on this day, something significant could happen in us. Something something awesome, something wonderful, something powerful. We could let go of our own limited kingdom and welcome the kingdom of God. I'm happy about that. I don't know about you. Ah, so why do you guys go to church? I mean, Brené basically said why she went back is that she had these thoughts around the fact that Jesus had to be the son of God because it was hard. Because, because, because love gave up love's own life in Christ. Because it was actually real. That it wasn't unicorns and rainbows. But it was actually the real life of Jesus. Jesus lived in this world. And the kingdoms of this world in me can become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And I am looking for that. There's an old joke, this... this uh, 
one person said to their spouse, I am not going to church today. I don't like those people, and they don't like me. The pastor's sermons are way too long. And honestly, I just prefer to stay in bed. And this person's spouse said, but you're the pastor. (laughs) You know, there are days you don't want to get up. Am I right? You don't want to go into the the limited kingdom that God's given you to work and eat and and play in. You just don't want to go. You don't like the people. You don't like yourself. You just don't want to go. We need an unshakable kingdom. Amen, don't we? I think about the fact that today's question to consider when imagining God's kingdom is, how do you feel about inviting people to live the kind of Christian life you're living? How do you feel about that? Like, sometimes I just say, oh gosh, I don't want to invite anybody into the kingdom of Claire. Right? You just, like, you're having a day like that, you just say, I do not want to invite anybody into this kingdom. But I do want to invite people into the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That is what I want to do. This is the the reality of my faith. Scott left us with three questions last week. He He said, what is real? And basically, what kingdom is more real? Like, is the kingdom of Claire more real or the kingdom of God more real on this day? Like, are the things that I'm carrying, the things that I'm failing at, the things that I'm succeeding at bigger than the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ? I want to ask that. What kingdom is most real to me today? And by the way, this is gentle noticing, which means noticing without judgment. If you should on yourself, you're not going to have a good day. Okay, so just notice in God's presence. God just wants you to notice so that you can have an honest conversation with God today. Like, what kingdom, really, what kingdom is most real? And then he asked the question, who is well off? Like, who are the people that you'd say, oh, they're well off? Oh, they're well off, right? Like, that's basically you're defining what the good life is. Like, what's really good life? I mean, get that in your mind for a minute. Like, if you see something, you say, oh, they have a good life. They're well off. And is that the same kingdom that Jesus is talking about when he says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I mean, there is a kingdom coming here today that's different than the limited effect of the kingdom of us. Amen? And aren't you glad? So, what is the most real thing? Who is it that has the good life? And who's a good person? Who would you define as the good people? Um, Karen, when she shoots me little texts sometimes, she'll say, have a good day. And it's capital G, capital O, and then small o, and capital D. So, like, she's inviting me into the kingdom. Like, have have a really good God day. Have a good God day. And so, you know, if you have read the scriptures, you already know that people would say things like, um, uh, you know, how can I be good? And Jesus will say, you know, or they would call him good teacher. And he would say, why do you call me good? There is no one good but, right? And when the kingdom of God is in us, we are going to be living in in an unshakable kingdom. And when we get shook, we can come back to center. And when stuff starts falling apart, 
we can come back to center, to the God who weeps with us, to the God who remembers what's really happening right now and is able to give us another way to see. So Jesus has this wonderful follower named Paul, and he says it like this, follow my example as I follow Christ. I mean, that's a great way to say it, isn't it? Like, don't follow me, Don, if I'm not following Christ. I'm not following you if you're not following Christ. I mean, I'll love you, but I ain't going where you're going, right? Follow me as I follow Christ. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So this beautiful scripture in Luke 4:16 says, read it with me. Now Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. I love that, as was his custom. He had a custom. You know, synagogues played a crucial role in the Jewish life. During the exile, when the temple no longer existed, synagogues were built to worship and for the schooling of young children. Do you know that? And if a a particular city had 10 families, they could build a synagogue. Because the temple, you know, the temple had all kinds of situations. We're not getting into the history of that today. But every community that had 10 families, everybody say 10, they were able to build a synagogue because the children, it was important for the children to sing a broken hallelujah. It was important for the children to turn their eyes upon Jesus and look in God's wonderful face so that the things of this kingdom would become strangely dim in the light of God's glory and grace. Jesus was following, he had a custom. I I just want you to think about your customs right now. Think about your customs in engaging God, the kingdom of God, the heart of God, the kingdom ethic, the way that you would follow Jesus, that you would say, I'm inviting my friends to follow me as I do this kind of thing, but don't follow me there, right? That there is this beautiful idea of customs, customs. Um, You know, with our grandkids, we do the examen all the time. They don't even know we're doing it. They don't know it's a big fancy name that St. Ignatius came up with. We just say, what was your high for the week? And what was your low this week? And then we get them to talk about how life happened to them. And then when they talk about their low, we ask them, where was Jesus in that for you? And if they go, oh, Jesus was not there at all right? We might then invite them to say, okay, so is that your perspective or is that because you didn't want to invite the presence of Jesus in there? And just notice without judgment and then say to God, you know what? I did not invite you into Thursday. You know you haven't invited Jesus into Thursday sometimes. Exodus 20:18 says to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. Everybody say, thank you. Hallelujah, it's not Thursday. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and then rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, the Sabbath represented freedom, rest, holiness. It it comes from this idea that you get to stop 
actively resisting the myth of your limitless self. Actively resisting the myth of your limitless self. Like you get to go ahead and go home and make chicken today, Jeff. Right? And that's a love language in the Thomas family. Right? I get to go home today and make some fettuccine Alfredo. That is a love language for me. Right? I get to go home. Yes. I I get to go home and rest. I get to go home and enjoy the Sabbath. You know, Scott and I, because part of our our life is to be um, in ministry, and so we prepare sermons and we prepare services for all, right, all that others here on the platforms and behind the scenes. We prepare services for you all to come to get to worship, to get some rest, to give you a custom that you get to come and participate in prayers that remind you that you are limited and God is? Yeah. I mean, yes, thank you, Jesus, right? And then the beautiful part of that is when we get to church, we're no longer working. We work to prepare to come, but when we get here, we're here to rest and to worship. Like, however this all turns out, I let the balloon go after service. I'm not going to replay those tapes and say, I shouldn't have said this. I wish I'd have said that, right? Like, I'm going to enter into rest. I'm going to enter into a place where I go, after this, like, my first idea is to worship. Then I go home and I eat. And that that is just, like, the best. It is the best. What are your customs to get to practice ceasing from your labor? What do you do? Because... God wants you to enter into rest. Genesis 2.3 says, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work of creating that was done. Everybody just go like this. Woo! Let it go. Let it go. Everything you did this week, it is enough, O oh Lord. Right? It is enough. And today is your day to come and rest and rejuvenate and remember and reflect and repent. Like all kinds of good things can happen here today. Amen? I want to follow, I I follow the example of Paul as he followed Christ. The places where he didn't, you can pick up on it, can't you? Read the history of Paul. He's got a few days, Thursdays, where you just say, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I'm going to write a letter and say, by the way. Okay. Anyway. So the Sabbath is built into the rhythms of creation, blessed, holy. It's not a day off, but a day for worship and rejuvenating. It's a gift. I love this scripture in Matthew 11. Read it with me, you guys, and just breathe while you're doing it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? I want to say a hearty amen to that. Like the, you know, sometimes Christians are the worst representation of Christianity. Sometimes. And, and we just want to start singing, I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me. Come on to the microphone. All along my pilgrim's journey. I want Jesus to walk with me in my sorrow, in my sorrow, Lord, walk with me in my sorrow, Lord, walk with me. 
all along my pilgrim journey. I want Jesus to walk with me. Yeah, like come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. My favorite part, come on, sing the rhythm, friends. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, I think about the way that some people practice, you know, Sunday or Sabbath or however you want to put it, this resting. And, and it's, it's all about laws, right? And Jesus just came to the earth to break all the laws. He's going to pluck heads of grain, you know, not going to wash hands. He's going to heal people on the Sabbath. He's just always breaking the religious idea. But the thing that Jesus is always doing is showing us unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything ill-fitting on you, which means, Gwen, you're not like Mickey, right? You're not like Joanne or Kristen or Joel or Shauna. You, you have a different rhythm that is going to be an unforced rhythm of grace for you. And that's the way God wants us to practice. But it's interesting, Jesus made the custom of going to worship first because I think sometimes we don't know how to recover our lives. You know, and there's something that happens, as sociologists call it, collective effervescence. When you get with people and they're singing next to you or they're crying next to you or you watch them walk up and light a candle, you know, you're just saying to yourself, oh, man, that's giving me hope. That's giving me faith. I think I'm lighting a candle this week. I don't know what it means, but maybe if I light a candle, some kind of light, God might show me something that I couldn't see before I lit a candle. Just welcome the invitations. God won't lay anything ill-fitting on you. I mean, in this very hurried life, everybody, can you just say hurried sickness? One day I was on the way to see my sister in the hospital who was dying of cancer, and my son was in the car with me, and I stopped at the stoplight, and I forgot to go when the light turned green. And somebody behind me just started laying on the horn because they didn't know my sister was dying in the hospital. And I'm like, not, I'm, not, I'm not awake. I'm not aware. I'm, I'm thinking of my sister right now. And the horn's blaring, and I turn and I look at Ian and I say, Ian, I didn't go either. <laughs> I said, Ian, I, I want you to remember this that when someone is, is um, not moving as quickly as you'd like them to move, like it's, it's taking way too long, that maybe their sister is dying in the hospital. So don't beep your horn. And then I went on driving. We have a hurried, sick culture. We, we, are, we don't know how to slow it down and have a custom. 
right? Sometimes we lose our customs. But then when we come, we say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I went to church today. I don't know if anything happened, but I prayed a body prayer just by showing up and sitting in the seat. By lifting up a hand and saying, God, pick me, pick me, help me, see me. I need you right now. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Let go of hurried sickness and get some customs that recover your soul. We want to follow the example that leads us to Christ. Burnout is actually a state of emptiness, to be sure, but it does not result from you giving all you have. It merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give it in the first place. See, if we give from a place of rest, we have something to give. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you are on that hamster wheel all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, even if you stay home and watch Netflix for 12 hours, you're not going to (laughs) recover. You know, there's like mindless things that we call rest that are not rest. This, friends, is rest. Because you're remembering that God loves you, that God wants you, that God took you in your oddball state today. And a lightning bolt didn't hit me. That God welcomed you into the room and said, I'm glad you're here. Burnout is a state of emptiness, to be sure, but it does not result from giving all I have. It merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give it in the first place. If we only could give our lives out of a place of rest and recovery and renewal and unforced rhythms, we would not be as mad at ourselves on Thursday if we actually had a rhythm of rest. I came up with an alliteration, and so just indulge me. Do you have room in your schedule to return? The Bible says uh, in returning and rest is your salvation. Not in every perfect thing you do. Just return and rest with me. Rejoice. Review. What was my Thursday like? What was this week like? Repent. Was there a word that you withheld that somebody needed to encourage them? Was there a word that you said that hurt someone? Repent. It just means to change your state of mind, right? And sometimes that might mean, as Scott said last week, that you make a phone call to the guy who was helping sell your car. And if you missed that, go ahead and check out the message from last week. And, and you know, the thing is, he let me read the email. I'm like, there is nothing wrong with what you just said. But in his own heart, he had unrest. And he wanted to ask this person to forgive him. It's beautiful. Reject. Do you know that when you come to church, you can reject some things? Right? Some people would call it the inner critic. How about we say the accuser? Like there might be, uh, you know, there might be a good critique going on sometimes. Like, oh, maybe I should have showed up a little earlier and not made Don have to wonder if my dongle was going to fit the computer. By the way, I'm sorry. I did it. I got it. Uh, but, you know, but, but then if I start to say I'm bad because I showed up late, that's the accuser of the brethren. See, when you come to church and you start to sing about what God has to say about you, you start rejecting the accuser. It's like, that's a lie. That's a lie. That is not how God feels about me. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. Right? And you start to realize that that accusing voice is actually connected to an outside voice that started accusing you maybe very early in life. 
And so you, you don't even know that you can reject that voice because you've been listening to it for so long. And it's the accuser. Some people don't like to talk about the devil. They prefer to say the evil one. My favorite name for evil is the accuser because that's how it shows up in my life. It's like if there's division between me and you, I guarantee you the accuser's at work. If I start to judge you, I guarantee the accuser's at work, right? If I am self-loathing, I guarantee you the accuser is at work. So guess what? Everybody say reject. Like you don't think you have to reject anything when you come to church. No, you get to practice. You get to have a custom of rejecting the accuser. And then you get to remember. You get to remember not only that God loves you, but this week we, we... um, we celebrated All Saints Day. And of course, first thing in the morning, Kathleen, I love you, Kathleen. She's a pastor online today. She sent me a note. She said, aren't you imagining all of our loved ones having the choicest of meats and the finest of wines right now at the table? Because that's what Isaiah 25 says. There's going to be this feast for you, by the way. And sometimes when I come to remember, I just need to remember I can have heaven all the way to heaven or hell all the way to hell. Who wants heaven all the way to heaven? You know what I'm saying? I want to remember that there is a God who has made space for me. God who loves me. The God who does not accuse me. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be. Yeah, I mean, this is salvation today. Every day. I'm so happy about that. So I want to remember that. And that gives my soul rest. The reason I remember one time... Ian's not here today. I hope he's watching online. If he's not, you need a new custom. Only kidding. I get to mess with him. But one day, we were inviting some folks over after church, and he said, Mom, would you please not invite anybody over that I can't be a human with? You know, there's people you know you get to be a human with, right? Other people, it's way too much work to have them over on a Sunday. Invite them over on Thursday. But on Sunday, sit with people who bring you rest, right? So that your soul can be at rest, so that you can sit with them, you can rest and remember and reject and repent and review and rejoice and return. It's good. You guys should take a picture of that, carry it around in your wallet. It is really good. So, friends, all I want to say is that this week I had this beautiful gift of going um, to a, um, a conference slash retreat with Scott and with Hannah, uh, becoming a transforming church. And Hannah got into a little bit of a spirited conversation with somebody that was a little bit cynical about could church ever be good, right? And, uh, and they were at the becoming a transforming church conference, right? So just, just don't judge yourself. The the reality is you have questions, you need to have safe places to have conversations like that. And Hannah's like, I have hope. I have hope that the church can be a place that people can come and have hard conversations and bring hard things, that they can actually come and say what is true, right? I don't know if I'm quoting you exactly, but it's pretty close, isn't it? And she just, and, and, you know, Hannah's 28. And um, and I just want to say, Um, And she's been in ministry. She had to raise her own funds to be in ministry for a period of years. That can make you cynical. We have hope, friends. 
Because we have a God who weeps. We have a God who bled for us. We have a God who had customs to teach us how to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. Don't give up your customs that lead you to life and wholeness. Don't give up your customs that bring you away that you could say, hey, this is not ill-fitting. This is not ill-fitting, which is why Scott and I, every time we ever meet with people, we say, hey, if it feels ill-fitting at Crossroads, there is another place for you. God's got a, a spot for you. We believe that. God is so generous. God has created so many churches where you can find a spot. Because here's the reality. You should come in. I'm not saying you shouldn't be disturbed at church. Yes, you should. The Holy Spirit both comforts and disturbs, right? Afflicts the comfortable and comforts the afflicted. So there is that. Oh, I could go on forever. I think this should be a whole retreat. So I just want to say, take a look at the life of Jesus. Get to know the life of Jesus. Look at the texts about what Jesus did at church and in the synagogue. And then realize that here's what God will do for us. We'll stop asking God to bless what we're doing and get involved what God is doing because it's already blessed. Because when we come out from a place of rest, we stop doing frenetic stuff to try to make things happen in our lives. We'll actually say, oh, I'm just going to get involved in what God's already doing because it's already blessed. The prophet Bono said so. (laughs) So instead of saying, oh, God, bless that thing that I'm doing, bless that, how about, God, what are you already doing? Because that's what I want to do. That's what I want to get involved in. Amen and amen. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And and today we're going to pray the prayers of the people in communion um, in this way with these things uh, that we've been listening to. I hope you didn't write down, um, you know, anything but what, what the Holy Spirit was speaking to you. And remember, the only difference between being able to remember on Tuesday what happened on Sunday is a pen and a paper. You will increase by 95% your ability to retain something God said by writing it down. That's why Habakkuk said, write the vision down, make it plain, though it waits. Don't, you don't get upset. It's going to, you know, don't forget, I'm going to be there with you. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to open up your communion first and just leave it open on your table. As Scott guides us next time of prayer. And if at any time you need to sit down, feel free. I don't want to leave anything ill-fitting on you. So standing doesn't feel like a, a way to rest. You get to sit. But we're going to pray these prayers of the people together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when we pray, um, we want to pay attention to what we're praying, right? And there's going to be spots. Um, I'll, I'll be leading us through the prayers of the people. And then there's spots where we have lines kind of fill in the blank. So I'm going to give, give us space when we come to those places. If you want to mention a name out loud, you can. If there's somebody on your heart pertaining to that prayer or a situation. Or in the quietness of your own heart, just bring that to God. God is fully capable of hearing your thoughts and the things that you bring to God. And if you um, want to light a candle during the prayers, you're allowed to move and go ahead. So anytime the Spirit prompts you, you 
go right ahead, or if you want to write something down and put it up on the prayer board underneath the prayer hands, just know this is a time for us mm-hmm. to remember that God is with us in prayers. Yes, and then our, our refrain, uh, what we'll sing um, after our prayers is this a chorus that we're pretty familiar with around here, and it goes like Don. It's going to show us. Come on to me. All ye the labor, and I will give you rest. And then when we wrap the, our time of prayer up, Don and the team are going to lead us in singing that song, and then we're going to go into communion. So let's just kind of prepare our hearts to really pay attention to what God is speaking to each one of us. Awesome God, together this morning, we thank you for time to gather, to pray, to sing, and to learn from you. May we experience your rest as we trust you with our prayers. Come on to me, all ye that Generous one, teach me to receive your rest so that I speak from rest and not reactivity. Unhurried one, help me to keep the pace of grace. Deliver me from hurried sickness so that I can respond from a soul that is whole and holy. Come on to Forgiving one, you know the ways, you know the ways I've wounded my life and the life of other people, especially. Please forgive me, heal me, and transform me into your image. sinners, I pray for my enemies today, especially Jesus, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Loving one, protect, bless, and guide all those who serve your people. Cover all those who build our communities with love, grace, and wisdom, especially 
Merciful one, for all who suffer today, especially for all who mourn today, especially. May I be led by your mercy to respond. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. Leading one, instead of asking you to bless what we are doing, let us get involved in what you are already doing, since it is already blessed. silence let's stay open to God's voice to God's presence God's leading Eternal one, who divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far off from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to walk in your ways, and guide our feet in the way of peace. To me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle.
he broke bread, he gave thanks, and said to his disciples, his interns, his friends, take this, all of you, and eat. This is my body broken for you. And every time you come together, remember. After supper was over, Jesus lifted up the cup. Jesus didn't give a sermon or scriptural texts or three, three rules. He gave a meal. And he lifted the cup and said, Take this, all of you, and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for all people so that sins, missing the mark, mistakes, will be forgiven. And every time you come, Remember me. For my yoke is easy. For my yoke is easy. that you join me in our blessing today as I, as I bless you, let's bless each other by reciting this together. You'll see where um, it has my name. <laughs> Don't I feel special? <laughs> and then it'll be a part to where it says all, and we ask that you all um, read and respond accordingly. I'll start. For the life of this community and the community of Crossroads Church. Thank you, living God. For the life we share together here. We thank you, living God. For the path that lies before us now and our futures in your hands. Oh, Jesus Christ, you are within each of us. It is not just the interior of these walls. It is our own inner being you have renewed. We are your temple, not made with hands. We are your body. Nearer are you than breathing, closer than hands and feet. Ours are the eyes with which you, in the mystery, look out with compassion on the world. Yet we bless you for this place, for your directing of us, your redeeming of us, and your indwelling spirit. 
Take us outside, O Christ, outside of holiness, out to where soldiers curse and nations clash at the crossroads of the world. Amen. Have a blessed week.